Hello, everyone, and welcome to another One Youth Devo. Uh, We're here excited to talk about our passage right now. Uh, This is a passage that we're going to talk about on Sunday in the main worship services, which are online, of course. And as always, it is me, Jamie, and... Oh, it's Patrick. There you go. I thought maybe you forgot that you were here for a second because I didn't hear you. I I wasn't ready for the the quick introduction. I kind of went with a quick one today. I don't know why. I'm just feeling maybe a little punchy or something. Yeah, so Patrick, how you been doing? You been okay? Your hair's growing back. My hair is growing back, yes. So today we get to talk about Pentecost, which is one of those words that you only hear in church. You're not really going to hear it anywhere else. Uh, You're not going to know what that word means, even if you go to church for a while. It's like one of those only churchy words. I have never used the word Pentecost outside of church or church context ever. Yeah. People are probably wondering, like right now, I wouldn't be surprised if more than half, half or more of the people listening right now are like, I'm not even really sure what that is. Um, Pentecost is kind of a weird word. So... Pentecost is when the church today, we celebrate the Holy Spirit uh, being given to the church as a gift. Um, and it, it's, a, it's an interesting celebration because Pentecost actually comes from uh, the word uh, for 50, because it traditionally happens 50 days after Passover. Oh. And um, yeah, it's just, isn't that kind of unique? Yeah. 50 days after Passover. And so Pentecost is one of those things that uh, the church celebrates. And we're going to read the passage for it. I, I don't want to jump ahead too far. But um, let me set the scene before we do that. All right. Set a little bit of the Pentecost scene. So what's happened is you have this massive, huge celebration that happens in um in the city of Jerusalem every year and they have Passover and Passover happens. It's huge. It's like a big, it's a big festival. People come around from like every, you know, town around people come from pretty far away even, and they just descend on Jerusalem. It becomes a big deal. Everyone's there and they celebrate the Passover together and there's joy in that. And you know, there's some, there's some sorrow, but it's a, it's a, it's a time to remember, to remember leaving Jerusalem or leaving, um, Egypt, the Exodus, and it's a time to remember that. And then Pentecost comes later. Now, a long time ago, there's a celebration in it that has to do with the harvest, because apparently there's a harvest that happens at that point in the year, and so people are getting ready to do their harvest. So so people are celebrating the harvest. But there's also another thing about Pentecost is, is they think that it was also a time where people would celebrate the giving of the law. Because if you remember back in Exodus, um, they get out of Egypt and they're saved from being under Egyptian authority, but they're out in the desert. And now that's like, they're like, we don't have rules. We've been 400 years living under other people's rules. We don't have our own rules. Uh, We don't know what to do. And we know that God is real. Uh, We know that God has saved us, but what does God want us to do? So God gives Moses these rules. And that's like a lot of the books in, uh, in the old Testament, you have, um, you have a lot of rules in there. Exodus, Leviticus, you start to read a ton of these things. These are all a gift that God gives to, uh, to Moses. And, and they thought, or traditionally they thought that, that Pentecost was when that came 
down too. So hmm. um, if you think of the city of Jerusalem during Jesus' time, there are still a lot of people there who are ready to celebrate. Now, some of them may have gone home and then come back for Pentecost. There may be some people who decided, you know, they were going to stick around there for the duration of, of Passover and Pentecost. But um, these people who are around are the same people who were around when Jesus was crucified. Just think of it like that. That's That kind of makes it a little bit, I guess, more real. At least to me it does. Yeah. That some of the people who were there were the same people who watched Jesus be killed or were the same people who uh, shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Um, it, it could be the same ones. And so yeah. this is the scene. This is like kind of where we're at. So... Um, let's get into the passage. What chapter are we in? Uh, today we are going to be reading out of Acts chapter two, and we're going to be looking at verses one through 12. However, the whole story of Pentecost for you guys to go and read later on your own is actually verses one through 47 in Acts chapter two. Uh, but today we're going to focus just on the first part, but I really recommend go and read the rest on your own later. We might talk about some of the verses in the li- in the later part of this chapter um, on this Devo, but check it out for yourself as soon as this is done or even pause it, read the whole thing right now and then reread one through 12 with us right now. That's a great idea. I love the idea of pausing. I never even thought about that. That's great. Yeah. Um, Patrick, do you want to take verses one through four and then I'll take the rest yeah uh one through four uh doesn't have any big words so i can i can conquer it (laughs) (laughs) it has the word pentecost yeah that's pretty big (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's right starting at verse one when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. The word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. I just, I had to add verse 13 about they've had too much wine. It's a very important transitional verse here. Uh, And it's, It's a great transitional verse because the very next thing that happens in this passage is Peter gets up to give the first sermon ever. This is like the (laughs) first sermon, you know, post Jesus. And Peter's words are, hey, these people aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) And I love that. I love that that is the first sermon. 
<laughs> that's like ever preached after Jesus. That's These how it starts. These people are drunk. <laughs> it's only nine in the morning. I guess if it was nine at night, he would have to say something different. You know, I wonder how many pastors since this time have started a sermon in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, these, these worshipers aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. I, yeah. I love it. I think there's something so real about that sermon. It's like there's something indescribable happening here. And, uh, you know, most people would just describe it as being a natural phenomenon of someone having too much to drink. But instead, they're saying, no, this is something different. Something different entirely. So yeah, cool. Well, let's let's dig into it. Um, so you, when we read in this right from the beginning, verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. Now, the day of Pentecost is a known day. Like I was saying before, it was part of a festival. Um, it, it wasn't that this was the first Pentecost, although we kind of look at it as the first Pentecost because uh, it's when the Holy Spirit shows up. Yeah. Now, Pat, I'm curious. It says the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. What do you think that sounded like? You want to do an impression? Probably just sounded like a leaf blower. Like <laughs> like a leaf blower? Maybe I don't know. Not. Maybe maybe it sounded even more violent than that. Uh, indoor skydiving area. Like the blowers oh. for that. Those Whoa, are some never, pretty big fans. <laughs> I've never been to one of those to actually hear it, but it, it, I'm sure it's pretty terrifyingly loud. Yeah. I yeah, violent wind coming blowing like a violent wind. I've been in some pretty strong winds before. I don't think I've ever been in wind above 100 miles an hour. But when wind gets going, it has a a sound that is very unique. It, this sound was probably just like a very strong storm, um mm. like a, a strong wind storm. Uh, sometimes you can hear wind kind of like whistling or humming, probably a lot of that. That's crazy, man. Look, if, if you think about it, here's a little uh, philosophical question. Uh, does wind actually make a sound uh, in and of itself? It has to push against something else to make a sound, right? Like can, can wind just blowing make a sound? Huh. Or is the sound you're hearing the wind pushing up against other things? These are deep thoughts with Patrick and Jamie. Um, the sound of wind being violent. I, I like that word because it's telling you that this is not something that is tame. Uh, this is not something that is easily understood. This is like an invasion and it goes right into the house and it doesn't say it is a wind. It says it's like uh, a wind. Um comes into the house and it fills the whole place where they're sitting and they hear this crazy sound. Um, then the second crazy thing that happens, right? And if you ever look at old school art, people try to draw pictures of this next event. It says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, when someone says a tongue of fire, I have no idea what to think of. What yeah. comes to your mind when you think of a tongue of fire? What comes to my mind is uh, those propane or gas-powered fireplaces, and the flame goes through lots of little rocks, like clear um, pieces of glass. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it makes these little tiny flames that kind of dance, and they don't put off very much heat. 
they look kind of cool. The rocks don't get hot, which is really unique, but the flames kind of come up over here, one side, other side, just really small. So I can, I kind of think, um, of those as tongues of flames a little bit. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, like, you know, I think like, were they a foot tall? Were they like an inch tall? Were they, uh, you know, who knows? Like these tongues of fire. Were they um, horizontal? Guess, were they vertical? Yeah, were they vertical? And I just think of, you know, typically fire burns in one direction, kind of, you know, kind of goes up, mm-hmm. heat rises or whatever. And then it kind of moves, like it's always moving. Yeah. Um, and the thing too, that I think it's important for us to look at is these tongues of fire that appear and separate and go and rest on each of uh, these these people who are here, these followers of Christ, um, it doesn't say that they are tongues of fire. It says that they're like, they seem to be mm. tongues of fire, right? So there's, it's kind of like, this is something that's indescribable. And the closest thing that we can try to understand it with is this analogy of a tongue of fire. So sounds to me more like a, a flame on top of a candle in a very still room. You know, mm, it doesn't move yeah. a lot. Maybe if it catches a little breeze of someone walking by, it will dance a little bit, but very small controlled um sounds more to me like that than anything yeah and i think for us when we've thought about the holy spirit we we see it in the past we think of like a glowing entity or we think of uh something that's not seen but felt and earlier in um the gospels we hear about the holy spirit descending on jesus like a dove uh, and the Holy Spirit being portrayed kind of like a dove, which is sort of a peaceful, floating um, presence. So there's something about the Spirit that is a little more, um, I don't know, amorphous maybe, uh, a little more hard to understand, a little kind of floaty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a word. But, I mean, the uh, Holy Spirit <laughs> in Genesis 1 was hovering, so floaty, it's just all in line, you know? There we go, floaty. That's that's the good. That's a good word for the day. The Holy Spirit is super floaty, <laughs> buoyant. <laughs> and so you yeah, have buoyant, buoyant, floaty, hovery. Um, yeah. So we have the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire rest on each of them. And then the crazy thing is, there's a purpose behind it, right? So they began to speak in other tongues, which is other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. I can't imagine being. Um, somewhere where in an area where they don't speak the language that I speak, which is English. I don't speak any other languages and just kind of, you know, dining with, um, someone or a group of people or at a restaurant and it's all kind of gibberish. And then all of a sudden, you know, slowly you start to recognize what someone sitting next to you is saying. And then you start to hear someone shouting and you know what they're shouting about. And you hear the music in the background and the singing. And then all of a sudden you hear the voice, you know what they're singing about. That'd be trippy. Yeah, <laughs> I would, for that'd sure. That'd be like really strange. And uh, it would take me a while to think, wow, this is sweet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You might be more scared than comforted. I think oh, yeah. that, at yeah. that point, right? Um, so, right. So the crazy thing too, is that all of them, and it may be as many as 120 who are there, um, all of them are filled. They all are speaking other languages. And, and then the next couple of verses, um, tell us 
a little bit as we go further down, like verse nine and beyond, it gives us all of these different people groups who are here. And so there's a lot of people who are in Jerusalem who their native language is not the common language that everyone would speak. A lot of them probably did know multiple languages just to be able to trade, to be able to operate. Uh, But all these folks are hearing in their own language, um, which is pretty crazy, right? So they're hearing this, and it says their response, verse 7, is they're utterly amazed. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair, being utterly amazed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this would be cool... I and there's apps for phones now that kind of do this. You know, there's yeah. I have yeah. an app on my phone where I can hold open up the camera and hold it above text written in a different language and it'll translate it on the fly. I think that's cool, but this is just amazing. Utterly yeah. amazing. Absolutely. And and it's crazy that all these people are hearing this. Now, what's, what is interesting is it doesn't give us a transcript of exactly what was being said, right? So it doesn't say like, mm. you know, it said like, hey, choose to follow Jesus or something. Like, we don't know what it was said. What, what it describes that they were saying is it says, um, it says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Um They're declaring the wonders of God. And man, I would have loved, I would have loved to hear what that would have been. Yeah. Right? They're hearing the wonders of God. Um, If someone said, hey, let me tell you the wonders of God, uh, you know, my initial reaction would be like, that sounds kind of weirdo thing to say to someone else. Um, But if someone comes up to you and says, uh, I just heard the wonders of God, I'd be interested. I'm like, if someone confesses that it's the wonders of God, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and these people are all saying that. Now, these people haven't haven't uh, decided they wanted to follow Jesus. Some of these people maybe haven't heard of Jesus other than kind of the current events. Like, hey, he was this guy. Some thought he was a prophet and he was killed. Yeah. And then some people said that he came back to life, but we don't know. Um, he was kind of just kind of the topic of the day. Uh, in this point. And so now they're hearing the wonders of God and these people don't really know what to do about it. They don't know how to deal with it. And they have two responses in verse 12. It says they're amazed and they're perplexed. You know, imagine being in, in worship somewhere else, uh, in an, in another country and, uh, you're sitting in a worship service or you're with a group of people that are all worshiping and you're just kind of listening, following along, being respectful. And then all of a sudden, like you heard what they were saying and understood it and they could understand you. Uh, that would make the worship so much more intimate. Um, and it'd be something to, uh, you know, be amazed and declare the wonders of God, you know, declare that as a wonder of God and praise God about that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be cool. And it's cool because I think everyone starts to realize, they're like, wait a minute. There's no way these people, they're all from this little area called the Galilee, which is like a bunch of little cities that are together, but it's like Nowhereville. There's not a lot of people that live there. And they're like, these people are all from this small area. So and they're, so they're wondering, there's no way they could know all these languages. It's impossible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Du- yeah. Duolingo didn't exist. Uh, you know, you couldn't go to like the library and get a book on how to speak, uh, 
uh, Cappadocian or whatever language that would be. Um, you just couldn't. It, it didn't happen. So for people to hear things in their own language was probably both comforting and terrifying because they know that this can't be from the Galileans. This can't be from these regular people. This has to be something that God is doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny, verse 12, right? They're amazed and they're perplexed. So they do what we, we do a lot. When we're amazed and perplexed at something, we just turn around and look at each other and go like, uh, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of like what I do. I don't know if I, if, if I ever get amazed and perplexed, uh, usually my first move is to call someone and be like, Hey, uh, something's going on. I don't know how to deal with it. Um, maybe you've kind of experienced that too. Yeah. Um, several years ago on Easter, we had a friend over at the house and it was Easter and it was in the afternoon and there was an earthquake and uh, the lights flickered in the house before the earthquake, which was kind of cool. I, I'm sure that has something to do with like it messing with the power grid. And I think electricity actually goes faster than, you know, earthquakes do. But um, <laughs> so the lights all flickered and I'm like, that was weird. And then all of a sudden the slow roll of the earthquake starts to come in and and we're everyone in the house, my kids, and then our friend who was there, we were all amazed and we were also a little perplexed. And so it's funny when that happens, the first thing you do is you start to make eye contact with each other, right? Yeah. You start to look around like, uh, are you feeling this? <laughs> am I just going uh, crazy or did you see this too? <laughs> exactly. Am I losing my mind or are we having an earthquake? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's just true. And like when our core or ground is shaken, one of our natural inclinations is to turn and look to each other. But when you look at that person across the room and they're just as amazed and perplexed as you, that's when you're like, uh oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, they don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. Uh, and right. so that's what some people do. Now, here's what's funny about this there's a response that's different, right? So some people are amazed and perplexed, and they want to know what this means. It says, some, however, started making fun of them and saying that they're drunk, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, they're just drunk. Those Galileans, always drunk in the morning. Um, that That's their response. Now, what I wonder is, did they both hear the same thing? Did they both see the tongues of fire? Did they hear these wonders of God? And are some people just kind of choosing to not believe it? Or some people choosing to believe it? Or did some people just not hear it? Like, I don't really have a good answer for that. Yeah, I just, maybe God wasn't, uh, was waiting to introduce those people to himself and reveal himself to them until a later time. Um, because, mm. you know, those people, their response is very quick and very realistic. Maybe God was saving something bigger, something that wasn't in a group, um, a different way to reveal himself to those people. Uh, that's what I kind of think of because this is an amazing way for the Holy Spirit to come in and uh, show a lot of people that he's real and, and what he's capable of. Very yeah. like amazing. But at the same time, people that might be more intellectual might say, there's no way this is happening. This is like a dream. This is not real. And it's very skeptical. And so those people would need maybe a more intimate uh, interaction with the Holy Spirit for them to say, oh, wow. And or, oh, this all makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think, you know, the cool part of this is like, and I think it's, we can see it in the languages, is that God meets us where we're at. 
Yeah. You know, God comes and speaks to us in our own language. Uh, God meets us with um, kind of an intimacy that only God can do. And, and so I think you're right in that, right? It's that God is meeting these people right where they're at and even in some of their unbelief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and God is going to answer this question. Oh, these people are drunk. Well, the next line, like we said of that sermon is, is Peter is going to get up there and start to talk and make it happen. It's pretty yeah. cool, man. Yeah. So um, Pentecost is the idea of this Holy Spirit coming down and people talk about having the gift of tongues, and it gets really, for, for whatever reason, it gets super controversial in churches when you talk about the gift of tongues. Hmm. And I don't know if you've dealt with that in, in churches because some people will, I think in the past it has happened where some people have uh, experienced what they call the gift of tongues where they speak in a language that maybe is not their own. Uh-huh. And uh, some people I've heard, and I don't really know this necessarily firsthand, but some people have um, pretended to have that gift and kind of, you know, just started making some sounds and thought, oh, look, I have this gift. And so it's gotten to the point where people have a hard time deciding, well, how, what do we do? How do we deal with this whole gift of tongues? Um, We do know from the Bible that people are given a gift of speaking in other languages that is the Holy Spirit working through them. Like, right, we just read that. That's something that can happen. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's also kind of this other idea that there are people who, um, can speak in a language that would be called like a prayer language, like a secret, not, I don't know if secret is the right word, but, um, a, a language that is, that is for prayer or specifically for prayer. Um, and that's a language that somehow helps us speak and pray to the Lord. Hmm. Um, now that gets a little more complicated because you're like, okay, well, you know what? Why? Like, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. And so sometimes we get caught up in what the purpose of it is. So there are churches out there that are like speaking in tongues is not something we do. So hold your tongue when it comes to that. And then there are churches that are like, if you don't speak in tongues, you, uh, you're not really following the Lord. Dang. Um, yeah, those ones are kind of like, you know, both extremes. Yeah. Now, you know, I would say we read this passage and one thing we can make certain of is that, you know, you can't put God into a box. Right. Uh, you can't decide how God is going to act and how the Holy Spirit is going to uh, reveal himself uh, to us. You just can't. And so if God is going to speak through us in a different tongue, then God's going to do it. And if God is going to give us a prayer language of speaking in tongues, then God is going to do it. And, uh, and we don't want to um, stop people or put rules on people that God has maybe has not put on them. Yeah. Or intervene, mess up what God is doing. Or intervene and mess up what God is doing. So, um, this is, this is Pentecost, man. This is where this thing gets started. Now you wonder like, well, that happened then, but does this happen now? Um, you know, when was the last time you heard someone shout in a different language uh, and someone else said like, oh man, they're telling the wonders of God. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know how often that's happened in your life. Uh, it is a little different, um, but hey, you know, God can do it. Yeah, God can do it. There we go. Get that God out that box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on that, go and read the rest of this passage. If you didn't pause in the middle, go check it out. 
It's great. Read Peter's sermon, the first sermon after. <laughs> That's right. Um, after <laughs> Jesus left Earth. So go check it out. Cool. All right. Blessings, everyone. We'll see you later. <laughs>